as you probably have read this passage often, you know that this is a very dark passage. There is heavy darkness that hangs over the place of the skull. It is also a very personal passage. Uh, There is deep hatred towards Jesus. Uh, They could not have expressed their hatred more uh, than what we read in Luke 23. It's not only a place of deep hatred, but we also know it's a place where uh, we will one day be, all of us. It's a place where three men will die. Three men hanging on a cross will die. And that produces all sorts of questions in the world in which we live, the culture in which we're immersed, and personally. Is there peace in death? Is there hope for you in darkness? Is there a place to bring your guilt and your shame and find forgiveness? And that's why in uh, the text that is just read, we ask or we make this statement, and this is what we want to flesh out for a few minutes today. The place of the skull is a startling place. It's a startling place to be offered hope and eternal paradise. If there is a place of hope, you wouldn't think it would be at Golgotha. If there is a place where someone could say paradise or eternal glory, uh, you wouldn't think it would be here at this place, the place of the skull. And sometimes we live that way in our culture, thinking things are so dark, things are so awful, or sometimes our life and the guilt that we feel and the shame that we carry, and we ask, in this place, with my guilt and with my shame, Uh, Is there a place of forgiveness and is there a place of paradise? So that's what we read this morning. The story of this awful cross, this brutal cross, becomes a story of hope when we ask Jesus to remember us. Jesus, remember me. First of all, in verses 32 through 39, we see that forgiveness is offered in a world of hate. Forgiveness is offered in a world of hate. We know the context of the story, or I trust most of us know the context of the story, that when given a choice between who should live, Jesus or Barabbas, the people chose the murderer over the one who would offer forgiveness and life. Herod and Pilate declared Jesus innocent of all charges, but the people were determined not for justice, but for the Savior Jesus to be crucified. He was beaten, he was flogged, he was mocked to the place where he could not carry the beam of the cross, so Simon was ordered to pick that up and carry it to the place of the skull for Jesus. This is a reminder for Christians that we are called to carry the cross, and for some, it may cost them their life. Jesus now hangs on the cross, humiliated between two criminals, naked, as, crim- or as the soldiers cast lots for clothes. And then we listen to the voices mocking Jesus. The religious leaders would mock Jesus. If he's still on the cross, then he's not a very good savior. The Roman soldiers, if he was a good king, he would not be on the cross. Save yourself. The criminal, if you promised life, you would get us down from this cross. All that Jesus would hear was mocking from the soldiers, 
from the leaders, from the crowd, and at the beginning, from two criminals who hung beside him. It's interesting to ask the question, what did Jesus say when he was being mocked? What did, how did Jesus reply? And that's why these words are so profound. Jesus said, Father, Father, forgive them. Because they do not know what they're doing. We don't even know what we're doing. Such is the depth of sin in our hearts. If you say this morning, I don't believe this Jesus stuff, then ask yourself this question. Are you so confident that you know what you're doing? Are you confident in your goodness? Are you confident in your flesh? Are you confident that you are right and for Jesus to hang on the cross, he was wrong? On the cross, as Jesus is being mocked, he was beaten. This is unjust for him to be hanging on the cross. Even Herod and Pilate knew that. The words that are recorded in Luke, Father, forgive them. With these three words, Jesus reveals his heart and his mission. It is a declaration of our most pressing need that we need forgiveness before we die. But it is also the heart of Jesus that he will stay on the cross, even though he's taunted to come down from the cross, because it is the pathway to forgiveness. It is the way that we are forgiven. He's on the cross as Messiah. He's on the cross as King to offer forgiveness in the darkness of this world to rebellious hearts who would naturally not understand and naturally reject him. He is on the cross to satisfy the justice of God so we would not need to experience in Christ's mercy the justice of God. There is forgiveness offered in a world of hate as we see the heart and the mission of Jesus when he prays, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. There's also a confession of hope offered at the cross in verses 40 through 42. A confession of hope that's offered at the cross. This is striking because we read in Matthew and Mark that there are two criminals, and these two criminals are insulting Jesus. I think the word is they're taunting him. You know that how uh, they say, Jesus, if you can save yourself uh, and you're that powerful, then why don't we all just get down from the cross? Because for, for the criminals, that would have been the most exciting news, to get down from the cross and maybe to escape somewhere and have a few more years to live. What is striking about what is recorded in the book of Luke is it tells us, Luke tells us the rest of the story. God's grace begins to work in the criminal's heart, and he goes from mocking and taunting to confessing the name of Jesus. We want to just journey with this confession of hope for a moment. If you say, I don't know what to do with Christ, what does it mean to believe in Christ? What does it mean to come to Christ? What does it mean to be welcomed by Christ? The, the thief on the cross, the criminal on the cross, becomes, uh, an un, or we begin to understand the journey towards forgiveness through the confession of hope of the criminal. He first of all begins with talking to his companion. And 
uh, understanding it's a rebuke, but at the same time, it's a very compassionate thing for the criminal to do. He's concerned for his, his friend, probably he knew him, if it's his friend, he's concerned for his soul. And the very first question, and this is where the journey begins, this is where the journey towards hope and forgiveness begins. We often begin with, I need to confess my guilt, and we do. But the, the criminal is very instructive. He says, uh, in verse 39, then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him, aren't you the Messiah, save yourself and us. And then verse 40, but the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since we are undergoing the same punishment. Don't you fear God. Where does the journey to forgiveness begin? Do you fear God? So I don't, that's not my God, I don't. But if God is holy, here's what the criminal said to the other criminal. You are hanging on the cross. You are dying Don't you fear God? Are you confident you want to stand before God? Do you fear God since you're undergoing the same punishment? You're on the cross. You're a criminal. Look around. Look inside. Is God pleased? If you understand this journey to the cross of Jesus and the forgiveness that's offered there, it begins with this question. Do you fear God? Do you stand, will you stand before God confident even though we are under his punishment? The criminal, first of all, confesses his fear of God. Then he confesses his guilt. He says, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what our sins or what we deserve for the things we did. Notice what he says. He says, it's not only I'm guilty, but he says God is just in his punishment. We read the word of God, and one of the natural inclinations, what, what happens when we read the word of God, one of our natural inclinations is to tone this part of Scripture down. Well, there really isn't a hell. And if there's a hell, then maybe it's not eternal hell. And even though uh, it's spoken clearly by Jesus, we find it very, very difficult to say, God, that is what my sins deserve. Eternal separation from the living God. This is what the criminal says. The criminal says, we're punished justly. Whatever God's sentence is upon us, it will be just because he is a just and righteous God. Do you fear God? Because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. God is right to punish. I stand before God in my sin, my rebellion, my thanklessness, my arrogance, and he will punish me righteously and justly. Now you say, well, okay, if that's what draws us to the cross, then then we live scared before God. 
But listen to what he says. He's not only drawn because he fears God and he confesses his guilt before God, but his very next words are, but this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. Confession of fear, confession of guilt, and then we have the confession of the goodness of Jesus. The confession of the goodness of Jesus. Listen to the criminal and his words. But he has done nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong. What happens if you say that about another person? That's a person that you're attracted to. That's a person that you want to hang out with. That's a person that you want to be with. That person has done nothing wrong. So it's not just the fear of God with the guilt that is upon us, but it is also we are drawn to the person of Jesus. He's done nothing wrong. You read through the Gospel of Luke, and what do you read? You read his love for sinners. You read his mercy. You read his grace. You read his power. You read about his kingdom, where he casts out demons, where he heals the sick, where he stops for the blind. He gives out water. He gives mercy to those who no one else would notice. That is the goodness of Jesus, and he obeyed perfectly. It is not only the confession of guilt, but he is drawn to the goodness of Jesus. So what happens when he says, now I fear God. Now I confess my guilt. We are punished justly. Don't get me down from this cross, Jesus, because this is what I deserve. I confess the goodness of Jesus, and then he starts talking to Jesus. He said, in verse 42, then he said, Jesus. Jesus. It's so beautiful. You could just take that one word. One way. There is one way of life. There is one way where there is, we, are found, we find mercy. Jesus remembers him because of the name Jesus. When he says Jesus, he confesses everything about Jesus is true. His life, his testimony, he is the God-man. Even what's happening on the cross, he must die for our sins. The very things the disciples could not see, this criminal understood perfectly. He says these two words, remember me. Remember me. I think that's profound because it's that, it's that fine line of saying, Jesus, I don't deserve this. See, sometimes when we come to Jesus, we think we've got to have it all together. But he says, oh, God, I don't know, but just remember me. Remember me with mercy. When I, he began with fear God. When I stand before God, God, don't forget about me. Stand with me before God. And talk to him about the cross. And talk to him about how, how I, I, my guilt and my fear but your goodness that I was so attracted to. I, I, I wanted that way. I wanted that life. I wanted that truth. That's the life that I want. I, I want to run from that. I want to run from my criminal life. And I, but if I explain all that before God, it still doesn't remove my sins. So Jesus, remember me. Be with me on that day. 
Be with me on that day when I come into the presence of God. Remember me in mercy. Stand with me and declare your righteousness. Declare the cross. Declare the resurrection. That there is forgiveness. That sins are not counted against me anymore because of you hanging on this cross, mocked and bloody, and yet you offer forgiveness of sins for those who are guilty before God and experience the guilt in their heart. And then he says this, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's power in that statement. He trusted that Jesus would bring a kingdom. Imagine this, he's hanging on a cross in the place of a skull, in the place of the skull. And he talks about that Jesus delivering the kingdom. He saw the kingdom. He said, that mercy, when you remember me, he will enter this beautiful kingdom where Jesus reigns. And then what is Jesus' response? This is where we find paradise at the place of the skull. Paradise is at the place of the skull. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, truly I tell you. Jesus basically just gave him the assurance of his love. To say truly means amen, so be it. I tell you, it's basically the same thing. I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth. What did the criminal need to hear? He needed to hear, hear double assurance. He need, if he just said truly, that would have been enough. But here's a criminal hanging on a cross. Truly, I tell you. Here is the assurance of love and the welcome offered by Jesus. And then interestingly, he says the word today. Why does he say the word today? Because He not only cares for the criminal in eternity or when he stands before God, but he will care for the criminal on the cross. What is it to hang on a cross? You basic, you hung for three days, four days. You basically suffocated yourself. Such torment. It's one of of the harshest ways to die. And he says, it won't be long. I'll look after you in this life. You will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Today, the thief on the cross, amen, I tell you, today, I'll look after you here. Jesus will look after you here. You will be with me in paradise. Jesus is bloodied on a cross. The criminal is on the cross. They're at the place of the skull. And Jesus says, and we get caught up in the word paradise, and paradise is a beautiful word, but listen to this. You will be with me. That's the gospel. The criminal will be with Jesus. Paradise is beautiful. It's the renewed, the new creation, what was lost in the Garden of Eden. That's beautiful. But you want to know something even more beautiful about paradise? You'll be with Jesus. You'll be with me. This criminal, this sinner, this rebel who deserved nothing of this, the only words that could come I remember me. God, I don't deserve this, but it's all your mercy. So if you remember me at the cross or at the final day, if you remember me 
And Jesus says, truly, amen, I will. Today, you will be with me in paradise. I close with these two thoughts. There's another criminal that did not repent. You know what is striking about this criminal is this criminal blasphemed Jesus even though he was on the cross. I sometimes wonder how many grow up in church and say, you know what, I'll come to Jesus later on. I'll come to Jesus later on. I want to go and, you know, have some fun. I'm not, I don't want to count the cost because more and more in our culture today, you count the cost if you're a follower of Jesus and stand up for him. So, but I'm not ready for that. But when I get older, when I get a family, and then you get a family, and then you say, then I'll start to, you know, go to church and take all of this very seriously. But then, you know, life kind of gets in the way, it gets busy, and then you get older. But during all of this outward stuff that's happening to those who once said, I'll come to Jesus someday, is the heart begins to harden, and you get used to life without Jesus. And just like a criminal on the final day, it becomes so sad that he says, The other criminal points out and says, you're hanging on the cross. Now's the time. But he had X amount of years to harden his heart. Doesn't really care about Jesus anymore. My prayer for today is if there is anybody who who knows Jesus and says, I'm putting it off. Are you living paradise now? Is your life offered anything? Is it exceptional? Do you fear God? Confess your sin. Look to Jesus. He's good. Remember me. Don't put it off another day. Young people, don't put it, children, don't put it off another day. Jesus welcomes you. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, And we'll look a bit at this um, on Sunday. We live in a blasphemous world, but we also know we had blasphemous hearts. Are we those who, because we've been here today, not only understand what forgiveness is, but it's on our hearts to speak forgiveness to others, that Jesus forgives Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this testimony of the criminal on the cross. Lord, for those who have put off coming to Christ maybe for years, may you work in their hearts by your spirit to awaken them. For those who love Jesus but are growing tired, May we know the work of Jesus on the cross. And may we be encouraged and filled with life, not only because of coming paradise, but because Jesus is with us. And if he is with us, there is nothing that can stand against us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 